on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. What what were your thoughts on this spring game? Like it was pretty. Uh, the scoring system was a little interesting there. It was like eighty four to eighty two or something. Final score. <laughs> I couldn't keep up one with the scoring system, but two, it was very interesting. It yeah. was really interesting. But I guess it was it was kind of fun, kind of having that competition aspect. Yeah. There's Dylan Gabriel, QB one on the Next Up with Adam Brenneman podcast. And Adam joins us now to talk a little OU. Uh, He was at OU yesterday. He was also at OU, I believe, for the spring game. He's the host of Next Up with Adam Brenneman, former UMass in Penn State tight end. Adam, first off, man, uh, appreciate you doing this. If you don't mind, what is your connection to OU and uh, what's the reasons that you've been into Norman now, what, two times in about the past month or so? Yeah, no, I, well, first of all, I love Norman, so it's great. It's great going, and I appreciate you guys having me. Um, got a, got a, a few connections, though. You just have some, some relationships with a bunch of the players, and then, um, you know, you mentioned having a bunch of guys on the podcast. We've had Dylan Gabriel Dylan Gabriel on, had a couple guy, other guys on that will be coming out pretty soon, Billy Bowman Jr., um, a couple other players, and, and, uh, and then my company that I'm a, a co-founder of, Mercury, is actually uh, – it's a – a uh, sport college sports media company and fan experience company. We actually partner with the University of Oklahoma and uh, with, with with OU, and um, and you know through that partnership, we're able to to do some some cool things with the school, some fan experiences, and uh, and the reason I was there yesterday actually was we we had a we had our um, the Palace VIP experience for for about thirty Oklahoma fans got to get a tour of the stadium, got to run on the field, got to hang out with. Uh, with Rodney Anderson and and uh, some other players and and get a, get a behind the scenes look. So so there's a few different connections and it's a great place and uh, and uh, also you know at Mercury our our uh, one of our premier podcasts and shows is the Red Dirt Rambles podcast with yeah. Kaden Helms and Nick Anderson. Um, so there's a lot, lot a lot of things going on, a lot of partnerships with the, with OU and it's been it's been really cool. I saw a photo from the uh, VIP experience yesterday on the field. Adam, you're you're a Penn State guy. You played at UMass as well. Did I see it right? Were you throwing the horns down in one of those photos yesterday? I, I was, man. Listen, <laughs> they, every, the, the, the photographer just said horns down, and I just threw them down. Man. So, no, I, I uh, of course I got to do it, and it's uh, you know after after spending some time with a lot of those guys and getting to know Dylan really well, and and uh, you know knowing I've known Caden and Nick for a long time, and a bunch of those other other guys on the team. Uh, it's, it's it's easy to root for them now and want 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 them to have a you know big big uh, bounce back season. Now, Adam, obviously, like you said, you you're kind of ingrained with a lot of the guys on the team. Um, you've been able to spend some time with coaches now and touring the facilities and whatnot. Um, what what did you learn maybe about University of Oklahoma? Learn about again whether it's playing with the facilities or coaches or anything like that. What did you learn that most surprised you during your time in Norman? Great question. A few things. Uh, you know, the the one thing I would say that maybe I had a, a, a mis- misconception of before I really got around the program, you know, Coach Venables 
to the outside world and to me before before I really got around them was is known as kind of a, an old school guy, right? You know, you, you kind of think of Coach, Coach V and you think of a guy who, you know, may not be all in on NIL, may kind of want to do things in an old, old school way, you know, defensive guy, um, different than a lot of other head coaches that you see in college football, different than, than, than some of the, the, the new wave of head coaches. But what, what impressed me the most is, is really how balled in that program is on the new wave of college football, which is NIL, which is content, which is athlete media, which is uh, empowering your athletes and giving young guys a platform and um, hitting the transfer portal. You know, I, I think they've done a really good job. They bought into the facilities race. I mean, that facility is as good as any as any I've been around in the country. Um, you know, their Jordan partnership, the, the NIL programs they have, and you know, the, all all the support they have off the field. Um, you know, for the guys and an NIL standpoint. I mean, again, I mentioned the show, the Red Dirt Ramble show with Nick and Caden. There's a lot of programs in the country that wouldn't even let their players do a podcast like that. I mean, they, they let they let two young players go on and talk about OU football, whatever they want to say. Uh, that that wouldn't happen at a at a lot of places. And I think Coach Venables has done a really good job of being innovative uh, and and you know kind of buying into the new wave and the new era of college football. Adam, I have a similar question, but it's to Dylan Gabriel, and we played a lot of those audio clips on the on the show when that one was released a few weeks ago. What was your big takeaway from that interview with Dylan Gabriel, either with him personally or how the season was last year and how they're kind of projected or slated, in your opinion, to be in 2023? What was just your big, your big takeaway more than anything else when you sat down with, uh, with DG? Man, Dylan just has such a calming presence about him. You know, I don't know how, how much you guys have you've obviously seen him and been around him a little bit, um, but, you know, he, he has – yeah, he he just has a confidence about him when he walks in the room, and 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 you know he's you know even on the on the on the podcast, you know, I was just listening, you know as you, as I came on, you guys played the clip, you know he's kind of quiet and like soft spoken, uh, but just kind of has that like swagger and that confidence that um, that that he's going to get the job done and make plays. You know, he he reminds me a little bit of um, you know as a, as a Big Ten quarterback was really good. It's still in the NFL, Trace McSorley uh, played at Penn State. Uh, similar build, similar athletes, and similar uh, personalities and, and leadership styles. Um, you know, Dylan just gives off gives off that that vibe. He's just like a cool guy that everyone can buy into and believe in. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed that conversation with him. I think, you know, I don't know if he he had really done many long form podcasts like that. And it was cool to kind of hear his journey and, and hear how he ended up at OU and. Um, you know the the uh, the ups and downs he's been through, and and you know this time at UCF and uh, coming from Hawaii, and and how he really ended up to this point. And, and to me, that the biggest, you know, maybe uh, not a surprise, but just the cool thing to hear him talk about was, was was how it really was was all about you know Jeff Levy and, and how he wanted to follow Coach Levy and and be in his system, and, and how he believed in it and, and wanted to play in that offense. Um, you know, he he had said, uh, you know, he had a line in the podcast. He said, you know. The only way that I would end up anywhere but UCF would uh, would, would be a wild card, and, and that wild card for him was, was OU, and you know, and, and Coach Levy getting that job, and, and it's also you know funny. I had forgot that he was committed to UCLA. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, like, I, I totally that, I, I remember when that happened, but I totally forgot that even that even happened. It feels like it was forever ago, and and uh, just funny to think about how things could have ended up if uh, you know if Coach Levy would have gotten that job I, and, if, and if he didn't end up at OU. I think he committed to OU before Caleb Williams committed to USC, which is crazy. 
Is that right, Travis? <laughs> Wild, right? Travis is that yep. how the timeline broke down? Yep, that is right. I remember. Uh, I remember the night it came down. That was uh, absolutely. That's when it happened. And you know, Adam, you bring up uh, kind of Dylan Gabriel and his just faith that he had in Jeff Levy, and then obviously in turn uh, the rest of the coaching staff. Um, it's a lot like Brent Venables' faith in Coach Miguel Chavis, who's in an on-field role uh, for the first time in his young career. You were once the youngest position coach in Power 5, um, as you coached tight ends at Arizona State. Put into perspective what Miguel Chavis has been able to do on the recruiting trail. He's already landed five-star P.J. Adebare. Uh, a lot of people have us out to an early lead for five-star Edge williams Waneri, And then even in his first cycle, fresh on the job, he brings in R. Mason Thomas right before signing day, who is one of the more promising pass rushers uh, in the Big 12. So kind of put that into perspective, uh, what an impressive job he's done early. Yeah, I mean, when you're a young coach like that and you're, you're you know, in one of either, you know, one of your first t- first full-time gigs or, you know, you're, you're 30 or under and kind of, I think, I think Miguel, I'm not sure how old he is exactly. I think he's maybe He's got a couple of years on you. He's, 30, he's 34. Yeah. 34, okay. So, yeah, but, I mean, extremely young to be a, you know, power five, especially a program like OU, position coach. And, um, you know, your job and the reason you're in that spot is because of, because you're a great recruiter. And that, that's just the reality. You know, James Franklin used to always say at Penn State when I was there that, that college football is about 75% talent acquisition and only 25% actual talent development. You know, it's all about the Jimmys and Joes. It's about how good of players you can get. And at the end of the day, if you can't recruit in college football, you're not going to have a job very long. So, you know, number one, Miguel gets comes in there, and, and the way you make a name for yourself is recruiting in college football. It's very different than the NFL. And, and you know, when you're, when you're at least give the – you know, when you're younger and kind of can speak the language of the guys and you kind of played in a similar era of college football, uh, it helps. And you can build relationships. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, recruiting is really about one thing, and it's, it's work. You've got to put the work in. There, there's no other way to make up for it. You know, there's no way to develop deep, meaningful relationships other than work and being on the road and, you know, being on the phone all day. And, and you know, sometimes you got to do phone calls at mid, at 10 o'clock at night. you got to, you know, work long hours. But clearly, uh, Coach Shavers has been able to do that by the results on the, on the trail. It just kind of shows, you know, how, you know, he's relatable. He's a great communicator. You know, I've seen a little bit of him, you know, from a – from a you know interview standpoint, seeing him on camera a little bit, you know he comes off really well, and it's easy for people to believe in him. You know, and and uh, when you get a guy that's young, that's younger like that, that's uh, you know, and when you're a young coach, you know, man, you better perform on the recruiting trail, or or it ain't gonna work out. Three-time All-American tight end Adam Brenneman joins us. He's also the host of Next Up with Adam Brenneman. That's audio only. That's also on YouTube. Uh, go check that out. He's already had an interview with Dylan Gabriel. He said he's got a couple other uh, Sooners on the way as well, which is going to be a lot of fun to see. So, you know, you, you've been around this team, been around the program a couple of times this year. Adam, and I remember you asking Dylan Gabriel about the close losses last year. Are, are you in a situation right now where you have a good feel one way or the other of what you expect from OU this upcoming season? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I expect them to bounce back and, and, and have a good year. You know, I, I just I got to pull back up my, my notes on I, I just went through their whole schedule a few weeks ago and was kind of going game by game. I'll, I'll say, you know, the one thing, I, I had watched a few games from last season, you know, earlier this offseason, and I, you know, I thought Dylan played pretty well, you know, and, and, and I know that, you know, there were, there was kind of some ups, ups and down, up and down moments. And 
I had seen him getting some flack here and there, and 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 I I thought for the for the most part, you know, he played consistent football. He took care of the ball, um, and, and he did a really good job of 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 you know kind of managing that offense. And and obviously he's got a great idea for what um, for what Coach Levy wants to do um, in in that system. So I, I thought I thought Dylan played really well. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know how how do um, you know, how it all comes together is still, you know, kind of to be determined. And, uh, you know, can they, you know, can some of the transfers that came in, um, you know, get, get things going, you know, I'm obviously like you know, on the, in the secondary and, and that, uh, you know, Billy Bowman jr. Has got to have a big year. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what Drake Stoops does. Uh, everyone I talk to, um, you know all the all the all the def- defenders I talked to when I was at OU. I always ask him who's the tough guy to go against, and every single one was mentioned. Drake Stoops, uh, and kind of the the off season that he's had. Um, you know, uh, I'm excited to see. You know, the, the the one young guy who who I thought really has has stood out from some people I talked to is is Jaden Gibson, and, and if he's able to, you know, he's obviously the big long receiver, and if he can make some plays for Dylan um, down the stretch, um, I, I think it'll, I think it'll be they'll be in for a good year, and and. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully have a have a good bounce back season. Now, you know, think back a couple years now. Uh, it was July in 2021 when you know the bombshell announcement came down that OU and Texas would be headed to the SEC. And I know a lot of people initially, I know, had a lot of opinions on it. And and now that you've grown a you know a bit more. Uh, I don't know, closer to the program, closer to the players, a bit more kind of educated on what goes behind the scenes there. What were your initial thoughts on OU and Texas going to the SEC and specifically in OU sense? Uh, and then what are your thoughts now about OU in the SEC? How do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're ready? This, that, and the other. Yeah, I, I, I do think they're ready. And, and at the end of the day, that really the big, the big difference between the SEC and a lot of and the other conferences is, is just the level of commitment. And the and the financial commitment that that the universities give to football, and, and I, from what we've seen from the the athletic department, from the administration at OU, that that's not going to be an issue. They they they've shown that they're they're committed to it and and uh, building it the right way, and committed to NIL, and committed to um, you know their the, the crimson and cream collective at, at Oklahoma. I think is is one of the top ones in the country. Um, you know from even the conversations I've had with players, they seem to be organized and, and, uh, you know, guys are, guys are getting what they said they were going to get, um, which isn't happening everywhere. Trust me. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think they're well positioned to, to enter the SEC and, and, um, you know, you know, make a run at, at playing in the best conference in football. It's obviously not going to be easy, but, um, you know, I think overall it's a good thing for the sport. I'm excited to see it. I mean, when it came out, I was excited when, when the whole, you know, all the realignment stuff, I think it's, I think that the, the, the nationalization of college football and really the commercialization of it, um, you know, has the ability to be a good thing for the sport and a good thing overall for the, for the, for the, you know, the, the you know the style of play and 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 what the game can be for for every, all the fans and all the all the viewers. But I'm excited to see OU do it. And I, I think they're I think at the end of the day it comes down to commitment, and they've shown that that they're that they're committed to doing it at a high level. Adam, great stuff, man. We appreciate your time. And um, hey, if you keep throwing horns down in, in photos, you'll uh, continue to get more and more fans around here. I can guarantee. Hey, you that, man, man. I'm, I'm I'm just trying to win over the OU fans, man. <laughs> that's all I'm trying to do. They're a vicious crowd that. on thanks, social thanks media, so yeah, that's a good crowd to win over. <laughs> thanks, Adam. Appreciate thanks, you, man. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, good stuff. Um, he had some very uh, glowing things to say about OU's program and the facilities there, and. 
How about that? It's not surprising, but you know, OU's actually um, you know living up to the promises that they made in NIL, and that's not going on uh, everywhere across college football. It's not surprising, right. and, but still interesting. Right, and and I think you know sometimes you know we get you know you look at the Sims, you look at the Hicks type situations. Everybody says, "Well, we're just not in the NIL game." No, we're absolutely in the NIL game, but we're trying to do it the right way. Just like, you know, just like everything else in the program that Brent Venables talks about, trying to do it intentionally, trying to do it in the right way. One thing that I really liked what Adam brought up was that they, Venables and, and everybody, they're allowing these guys to have podcasts, to go out and be themselves, to put themselves out there. And we saw that, Tyler, when he made all the newcomers available to the OU media. I mean, that kind of stuff. Let them build their brands. Let them get out there. I mean, that 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 would not have happened under uh, some other staffs. Uh, well, yeah, and it didn't happen under uh, other staffs as well. So that's <laughs> 100%. 405 is the Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll hit more OU football. And there's an OU softball stat out there right now that – in a world of unbelievable softball stats, they're everywhere. This one is uh, this one's pretty good. We'll tell you about that and a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked on the Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Atlander Chevy of North experience yet, but I feel good about OU's three aces. But if they have to throw out the true freshman, a Kirsten Deal, at some point for big innings, like I'm not going to blink if that's the case, dude. And I don't know if I would have said that two months ago, but the way that she's pitching here down the stretch, she looks totally confident in games. She looks like she belongs because she absolutely does. Um, Her stuff is just really good right now. Like, OU just might, you know, roll with the three aces in the postseason. That won't surprise me or anyone else. But Patty also likes to do some unexpected things to put some players in some, you know, interesting spots to see how they respond. I'm not saying that Kirsten Deal is going to start a game, but I won't be shocked if she's asked to close a big game. And like I said, if she is asked to do that, I, 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 I'll be totally fine with it, and I'll totally expect her to you know, be, be really good in whatever spot she's asked to perform in. Right. I have, you know, I've been saying we do have four aces, including Kirsten Deal in that. And I, and I tweeted out uh, you know, during the Cal game, we started – with a sub-1 ERA starter who was relieved by another sub-1 ERA pitcher who was then relieved to close out the game by a sub-1 ERA freshman. Uh, there's no staff in thing. America no staff in America that can do that. Um, there's no staff in America that can do that with two pitchers, let alone three. She's got a .83 ERA. She's got a 3-0 record. She's got 29 strikeouts to only nine walks. I mean, that you're looking at, you know, next year – having a lineup of, like, Nicole May, you know, Jordy Ball and Kirsten Deal. Let's see what they do in the portal. But, I mean, they're looking at having it again. So are, are, are you ready to get on board with me that this is the best pitching staff ever? Or are you going to wait till after the Women's College World Series? Like, when, when can I expect oh, bro, you to, to join this movement here? Oh, I, I've been on board. I've been, okay. I, I've, been, right. I've, been sure. I've been on board so long I took a nap, woke up. I've been on board this whole time. All right, I'm just trying to get more people uh, on the movement that this is the best pitching staff ever in college softball history. Yes, absolutely. I mean, by the numbers, it, it kind of checks out with what you it's just impossible said. It's impossible to argue against. <laughs> it's impossible to argue against. Hi, and if they win the national championship, then it's going to be even tougher to to argue against. Um, man, not not thrilled that they play Friday at one o'clock, but 
whatever. It'll it'll, it'll give us something to talk about during the show on Friday, I guess. Exactly. Like it did last Friday, we get to uh, witness greatness while we're uh, live on the air. And we'll see what baseball that. does uh, with their games Wednesday and Thursday. You know, we might might be quite the Diamond Friday. I hope so. Yeah, if uh, OU baseball is playing on Friday, it means they've uh, at least won. One of those games that that draw on Wednesday is pretty tough. Playing Oklahoma State, who if they win both, from then him. they play Saturday. So if they win both, they play Saturday. If they only win one, I believe they play Friday. So we'll see. So we okay. So root for them to to play Wednesday and Thursday, and then mm-hmm. no Friday game, and we'll have all of our attention on OU trying to tie the all time winning streak, D one winning streak. That's that's what that's it. that's the ideal. Greg McElroy has uh, come up with the ideal college football road trip for this year, even though he's not going on that. Our ideal week slash weekend is OU ba- baseball plays Wednesday and Thursday, not until Saturday, and then OU softball has the standalone game on Friday at one. They tie yeah. the record at forty-seven. Love it. Put it out there to the Diamond Sport gods. Make it happen. Uh, text line is telling us a stat that it, Clemson does lead in the stats, and text line was quick on this one. Realtor Chris says Clemson has to be leading in innings played. <laughs> They're not run rolling as many games as OU, who is this year. So, yes, Clemson has played oh, more innings. Yep, they're experienced. They're seasoned. 512 wow. says, honestly, Clemson was not a 16 seed, more like a 9 or 10. Think they put him at 16 to give OU a go. I think we are much better, but Clemson will not be as easy as most think. No, I totally agree with that. Now, by the numbers, you know, there's a gap between OU and everyone else in the sport right now, but I do agree. Like, Clemson, by the player of the year rankings, they have a top three overall player in the sport, and she's a two-way player. And I think Patty Gasso's even said it. Like, even though they had three run rules in the regional, she doesn't expect to just roll through the super regional with a couple of run rules. And, and I'm with her on that. I think OU wins in two, but I think they're probably going to be two pretty close games. Like Clemson will put up a fight. Oh yeah, Clemson's very good. Now they didn't have the strength of schedule, I think, to to really get up there. You know, obviously the SEC is a very good conference. That's why you see some of their teams maybe elevate a little bit. I still think there's a little bit of Pac-12 bias. Um, and then, obviously, the Big 12 has Oklahoma, uh, Texas, and Oklahoma State, three of the you know top teams in the country. So I don't think their ACC schedule was quite the grind that, I mean, definitely that OU played, but that other conferences played. But, no, I do think Clemson's good, and I do think that they're confident. I don't think they're a team that's going to walk in and lay down. Uh, they've got some swagger to them. If you watched them in that Auburn series, they did drop a game uh, to Auburn. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, this is this is a confident team. They're they're definitely not going to come in like uh, like some of these you know teams came into the regional kind of in awe of Oklahoma. You know, Cal was all pumped up early in the game on Sunday. You know, like it's the uh, they get the first out of the game and they're kind of hopping around. You know, they're being loud and excited and then. The end of the uh, end of the first half, uh, end of the uh, top of the first happens, Travis, and their shoulders are slumped down, walking to the dugout, saying, "We're already down six nothing, and there's no way we're going to even score six runs." They they knew that they were beats. Right, and I actually got the opportunity to talk to their uh, associate athletic or assistant athletic director um, from Cal. He's been at Cal for 29 years, and uh, you know, I, I kind of asked him, you know, while while we were playing Missouri, the Cal team was kind of watching from you know, right over there behind left field. So I asked him, I said, what are your impressions of, of Oklahoma? And he said, you know what, when we got off the, or when they got off the bus uh, back when we played them in Hawaii last year, they just, 
they just don't look like they're the same. Like they're picking from the same athletes that we are. Is that because Jada, is that because Jada Coleman gets off the bus and screams "Boomer" real loud? <laughs> is that why? He he said they're all like six foot and like in shit like athletes like cut like it's like yeah you know we, we we train for this that's what happens when you you know georgia looks like that when their football team gets off the bus you know what i mean so he was he was very much impressed obviously like i said he'd been a cow for 29 years and he said i asked him about the facilities i said hey so where would these facilities rank in the pac-12 he said probably top three top four i said oh good well we're building new ones yeah and he just kind of laughed <laughs> Uh, Zach from the 405 said, Clemson will need more than Cagle to win the Super. Our bats get better every time through seeing an arm. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, I've got a lot of respect for Clemson. Um, Cagle is, is really good. I mean, Clemson's a good softball team. The thing is, even though I, I, I think that it's going to be a couple of close games, if OU looks similar to what they did this past weekend, and I don't have any reason to think that all of a sudden they're going to look like a totally different softball team than what they have the previous 46 games, it doesn't really matter if Clemson's a good softball team or not, you know? Because if OU is truly peaking at this time of the year like we've seen for so many years, Clemson's going to have a really tough time in Norman this weekend. And probably not, and probably going to have to do something miraculous to come up with at least one win. That's just how well OU's playing right now. Yeah, I mean, and again, as we've said, it's about pitching in the postseason, but we faced a lot of really good pitchers. When you look at the ERA, uh, ERAs that we faced, we faced like, I don't know, five or six pitchers that have a similar ERA to Cagle, and I mean, we've, we didn't lose to any of them. You know, and we put up a lot of runs. When we went out to UCLA and faced one of the best pitchers in the country, she only lasted 1.2 innings in 12 at-bats, you know, I think we had four earned runs and seven hits. I mean, this she's a great player, a great pitcher. She deserves the accolades that she is receiving, deserves the flowers. But it's nothing that we haven't seen, Tyler. Yeah, it's true. Uh, 405 Clemson is similar to Oklahoma State. Started the season hot, but once they face better competition, they finish third in their conference. Who is the uh, second-best team, in your opinion? Florida State or Tennessee? Man, Speaking of the it, ACC, I know uh, Tennessee's in the SEC, but Florida State's they, they had to have what a perfect game to escape their regional. I, I might, I might go with Tennessee. I think they're pretty good. It's you know, it's I like Tennessee. I like Florida State a lot, to be honest. Obviously, they had a little bit of trouble. You know, with Alabama, you have to look at that Fouts injury and 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 just say, you know, who else do they have behind her? They relied on her heavily, but I don't know. It's weird to talk about Tyler because. You know, I'm used to talking about OU in the sense where we have a full, a full staff of aces. Pretty much every other team you have to look at and say, all right, who's the second best team? I don't know. Whoever's sole ace can make it deep yeah. into the postseason without wearing out because that's every other team's strategy. Well, I don't think that there's an Odyssey Alexander. I mean, there's some really good pitchers left, but is there like an Odyssey Alexander that OU's going to run into at some point in this tournament? I don't necessarily see that now. Like, OU's going to face some good arms, but to your point, it's not like something that they haven't seen up to this point. Megan Faramo is one of the best pitchers in all of D1, and OU beat UCLA 14 nothing earlier this year. You know, Kelly yeah. Maxwell is a really good pitcher, and OU... Uh, had a really good weekend against her. So it's just it's just more about how OU is playing right now. And I, I, I thought last weekend may have been their best offensive weekends as a whole in quite some time. 
And that's I, I scary would, when you match that up with what they have in the circle. I would definitely agree with that. And now that the you know regionals have been put into the like season stats, we now lead uh, the country in home runs, over 100 home runs. Um, and it's that's the thing. Before we were hitting for average, and then we have the home run explosion. The last thing that the NCAA wanted to see is looking into Norman and going, oh, crap, they're back to hitting the long ball whenever they <laughs> yeah. want, and they hit for the best average in the country, and they have the best defense in the country, and they have the best pitching staff in the country, and they have the best coach in the country. It's just got to be disheartening, Tyler, because like we say, you know, we can go against these aces, and if we get to them, then there's going to be a drop-off. These teams have to try and get to our ace, and then if for some reason they do, then we've got another sub-one ERA pitcher yeah. coming in. And and after you reach, you know, after you finally accomplish getting to one ace, you finally think you're going to get some relief, and then what trots in? Oh, your next nightmare. I uh, I, I wish someone would you know, all the home runs that have been hit this year. Let's see distance traveled. Who who leads in that category? Because I guarantee you, it's <laughs> OU by about three miles. Um, some some home runs barely get over the wall. You, you better not barely hit one over, over the wall in center field or at least try to because Jade is going to bring it back. But the home runs that OU hits, dude, they're just they're moonshots. They're over the scoreboard. They're off they're the no scoreboard. They're over they're the no batter's eye in center field. Like, some of those home runs that they hit on Sunday were just, oh, my God, those are just absolute bombs, man. Yeah, so. no doubters. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch for sure. One more, Sooner Soldier says, is Storocco going to be ready, or is she still going to be shaky? Well, Storocco's fine. Like she didn't have, you know, her her best start on Sunday, but yeah, I I got a lot of confidence in Alex Storocco. She'll she'll right. she'll be okay. And you have to consider Tyler. I think this is something again. This is something that just happens with a team like OU, but you know, what's it got to be like to go out there and be like, okay, cool, I'm warm, I'm ready, I'm focused. And then the offense is at bat for like a half hour. You know, bomb after bomb after bomb after, you know, cow pitching change, after another cow pitching change. And then you finally get to go out there. She probably okay, threw 200 pitch. pitches in the bullpen in between innings. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, there's something to that where I feel like pitchers get in a certain rhythm and they're like, okay, cool, I'm still warm, I'm focused, all this. It's got to be tough when you're sitting there forever watching pitching changes, watching home runs, and then all of a sudden you got to get out and maintain that level. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with Storocco. I think we'd be fine if if we had to go with a ball deal may kind of rotation through the super but i think we're i think we're perfectly fine alex Storocco is fine um let, let's just remember that we're, what we're talking about here travis she gives up three runs and it's like oh my god is she gonna be okay is she all right, right? she didn't throw a three hit shutout what's going on with her what, 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 what's up i mean let's let's realize what we're talking about here she's got four top bit. 10 wins like a point seven seven era and i think she she's was what fine. 16 and 0 she's yeah. fine yeah she's okay 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get back to college football coming up next right here on The Ref. This is The Ref Sports Radio Network. On Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to see what's new today. Ugh, this old AC system just doesn't cool like it used to, and summer's just around the corner. I bet we can get another year out of it. I got a bet for you. If we buy a new heat and air system from Norman Air between May 1st and June 21st, we could get it for free. What? Free? Purchase a new heat and air system between May 1st and June 21st. If the temperature hits 105 degrees on 4th of July, your system is free. So, are you feeling lucky? You're on. I'm on normanair.com right now. Norman Air, service to the max. 
Rush on the ref, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. In case you missed it, the latest with the portal, former OU quarterback Mike, uh, Micah Bowen, he is headed to play for Charlotte. So he's uh, going to go battle for that starting quarterback spot out there in Charlotte. And in recruiting news today, how about some happy recruiting news after what uh, we went through this past weekend? Yeah. Steven Alexander's son, Cooper Alexander, who's going into his senior year at Washington High out here uh, just outside the, the city of Norman. Six foot four, 225-pound tight end. Uh, he just got an OU offer today. An OU legacy, Cooper Alexander just got his OU offer. And I know that there's already some predictions in for Cooper Alexander to pick OU. That would not shock me. I got to think that this is probably his dream offer. And it looks like OU might take two tight ends here in the 2024 class. So, Tyler, are it. you... Are you saying that we could go from Stoops to Coop? Why not? Yes, please. Hey, right, good, if, good, if good. you get to say Coop as much as you've been able to say Stoops these past three years, <laughs> then, yeah, it's an automatic take there. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's going to be funny is when somehow, uh, you know, Gavin Freeman is open across the middle and he gets mistaken for now Coop. So he's been so he's his still whole career. Getting, he gets mistaken for someone else. Yeah, man. exactly. As long as they call the right name on draft day, right? Well, yeah. Well, well the the crowd. Uh, so Lambeau Field is hosting the 2025 draft. I saw that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about that? How about Gavin Freeman is a first round pick in 2025, and people still yell "Stoops" real <laughs> loud when he gets selected. Late uh, in the first hey, round. Hey, I love it. I love it. Like like you said, if he, uh, you know, if if we can hear the name as much as we hear Stoops, and obviously Adam was on with us uh, at the start of this hour. He talked about how, um, you know, all the all the defenders. They talk about who's really giving them problems in practice, and Stoops was the name that everybody said. So expect a big year out of him. Yeah, I think everyone's expecting a big year. Um, for whatever reason, not everyone brings him brings him up as wide receiver number one. Um, fair or, or unfair that we mention Andrew Anthony, Nick Anderson, Jaleel Farouk, maybe a little bit more than, than Drake Stoops. Yeah, I think that probably has more to do positionally than anything. I think people associate wide receiver one with that guy on the outside that's going to you know go – you know, make that happen. Obviously, he's seen more of a slot guy, almost a possession guy. Obviously, he can go deep when you need him to. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people associate him with, hey, look, you need that big third down and six. You need that big fourth down and three. We're going to go make something happen and, and make sure it heads to Stoops. So I think more so it may be just a, maybe a positional thing or I don't know. But I don't, I, I don't think that many people would uh, would trade him for just about anybody right now. Great point on the uh, text line from the 918. Cooper's dad was a rare tight end that had a strong neck roll game. Hmm. I, I, think, I think Cooper's got to bring the neck roll to the tight end position. He's got to bring it back, especially going yeah. into the SEC. I feel like a couple of Georgia's tight ends. Do Brock, does Brock Bowers wear a, uh, a a neck roll? Maybe he does, but you got to bring the neck roll back to the tight end position. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for neck rolls everywhere. Really, maybe that I was mean, contingent so. on the offer before they uh, before they <laughs> they gave it to him. You know, do they still have his dad's neck roll laying around? Um, I'm I'm sure it's it's got to be somewhere. Yeah, he played he played long enough in the NFL where he had to have some extras. You know, <laughs> absolutely. I I do have some. Uh, um, Breaking baseball news from Kendall Rogers. Tough news for uh, Oklahoma State. They're now down uh, 
two relievers, right-hander pitcher Brian Hendry will miss the rest of the season for non-injury-related reason, and right-handed pitcher Evan O'Toole will miss the Big 12 tournament with tendinitis. So, uh, uh, oh, Non-injury-related? Uh, what does that mean? He was hanging out at Texas Live and uh, riding the mechanical bull up there last night, or, or what? Hey. Whomst among us, you know, you know, <laughs> it's I. happened to the best of us. But they've got a combined 37 appearances and five starts um, between them. So, hey, you know what? You're saying there's a chance. Yeah, I haven't been to the Big 12 tournament in Arlington, but with Texas Live, I, I've been to Texas Live. I've been to a couple of Rangers games in the uh, in the new park. It's uh, it's a pretty cool setup. I'm, I'm just, does it feel cavernous in there though? With you know the, the place not even being half full. Yeah, I'm gonna yell my name and see if I can get it to echo back. You probably um, could, but but yes, I I will definitely be down there for the uh, Wednesday and Thursday games. So I will report back on that. And I'm talking about the uh, the Globe Life. I'm not talking about Texas Live. Although I probably will be a Texas Live. That's both days the report too. I want is the Texas Live <laughs> report. To be honest, <laughs> if you got into a scuffle with Texas or Oklahoma State fans there, or Maldi uh, Tech fans, or something like that, I will let you know. Me and Jim and Arlington are just gonna are, are just gonna stand back to back and and take them all on. <laughs> Someone get their uh, cell phone video out, please. We get up in landscape late. mode. Don't be don't don't be shooting these uh, things, uh, you know, up and down. I need landscape mode if we're going to really capture the essence of what's going down. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to that and a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the KREF app. At Lander's Chevy of Norman, we're feeling good. How good? Jumping into summer savings good and the hottest selection in town good. Plus, right now, get incredible savings on our best-selling trucks, like up to $77.50 off MSRP on any new 2023 light-duty Silverado with a 2.7-liter engine. So feel good all summer long and shop Lander's Plan. Rush on the ref, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Here is a uh, headline for, for you via Barstool Sports. Now that I say Barstool, you're expecting just about anything right now. <laughs> it could, could literally be anything. Non-sports. So I'm, I'm sure you heard us talking yesterday about the top 75 college football quarterbacks since 2000s. That, that list was released. Yeah, Baker yeah. was number one. Mm-hmm. Headline from Barstool says, ESPN's Bill Conley should go to jail. For naming Baker Mayfield the best college quarterback <laughs> in the 2000s. Oh my God. Now, the individual that wrote this uh, has a name of Big Tennessee. So that's oh, their I pen name. Be Brandon I guess. Walker. Well, it be... probably is, if we're being honest. Bill oh Conley should go to jail for naming Baker Mayfield the best college quarterback of the 2000s. So if you say that, it means what? Number one, he's not even close to the top of the list. What are you talking about? Well, Big Tennessee comes up with uh, his own list, and it has Cam Newton, one, okay, whatever, Tebow, two, Burrow, three, Vince Young, four, but still puts Baker Mayfield at number five. 
If you feel like okay. someone should go to jail for putting yeah, someone wow. at number one, wouldn't you think that they shouldn't be in the top ten altogether? Maybe just some community service, if that's yeah, if that's seriously. your take. Community service, maybe some counseling. Probation. Something like that. Something. Yeah, some probation, something like that. But here's the thing, Tyler, and about that, people keep on confusing, and maybe people are just running with headlines, but he, he explains it. It's about career. And I was in a discussion earlier today. It's about career, right? And somebody said, well, you know, he never won a national championship. That has to be basically the, you know, the first requirement of being number one. I said, that's a team. That's a team accomplishment. And nothing annoys me more than people, you know, crediting or blaming quarterbacks for team accomplishments. I mean, the guy, the guy absolutely was deserved of the number one spot. But I'll tell you what, Tyler, Barstool has figured out, they've figured out how to internet because, the more you attack Oklahoma fans, the more engagement you will get. We see Brandon Walker do this often. He keeps going back to that well. Now apparently it's in company-wide memos to just dunk on OU whenever possible. Well, um, Barstool is in with Penn Gaming. Didn't Penn Gaming buy Barstool? So I'm mm-hmm. sure the over-under for wins for OU this year via Penn Gaming will be around 5.5. Let me get to the. Let me. I will. I will destroy that barstool sports <laughs> app. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna. I'm gonna drive to thumb. Kansas just to play that one, right? Absolutely. It's a short drive right up 169 for me. You just let me know if you you can't get there as quickly. So just Venmo me or something, and I'll make sure you get taken care of. Bill Conley, if you do go to jail for that ranking, I'm guessing there's going to be some OU fans that'll uh, bail you out of that one. So. Just hold on. Don't, don't join a gang or anything while you're in there. OU fans are on the way to try and bail you out. It's going to be good. All right, final hour of The Rush coming up next. More OU football coming up next. Feeling-